Welcome to the Goth and the Sloth. I'm your Sloth, Matt. And I'm Luna the Goth. This is the podcast of two friends living a country apart, getting into what we get into, and, you know, burning the world down. <laughs> Long-distance shenanigans. Yes. <laughs> we decided to take the first part of this podcast to chronicle the events of the COVID-19 pandemic, how it affects our lives, how it affects your lives, and how it's slowly tearing apart the fabrics of reality. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, so how you doing? Uh, you know, fine. Um, we almost couldn't record this week because my chart, my laptop charger, almost tried to kill me and my animals and everything I love. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. I like. I was just sitting there and I was like, "Man, it smells kind of funny." <laughs> <laughs> What I will tell you, though, and I'll say something nice about Apple, is the way their chargers are designed is it probably wasn't getting a huge charge enough to be totally scary because the compressor is right at the plug. That makes sense, yeah. So yeah, I'll praise I, them for that little bit. That to make sense, <laughs> Mr. IT guy. Um <laughs> Because, like, on my uh, Dell laptop, depending on where the break in the line is, it can be getting the full charge from the house and probably shorting the line. Or it could be, you know, what you got. Just, oh, unplug that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was wild. And I looked over and it was, like, glowing and, like, sparking. And I was like, this is, this seems bad. This seems bad. Yeah, sounds like the... Does anyone else think this is bad? (laughs) Yeah, sounds like the... uh, in the like wiring kate like covering is worn off and the probably arced <laughs> yeah yeah so that i'm i'm good now that i have a new charger and we're able to record how about you yeah. <laughs> uh you know i'm here we exist <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> well let's jump into it how is the uh greater virginia area doing so uh not good uh cases and hospitalizations are up so we have 132,940 cases now so that's up 12,000 from last week whoa yeah um and we have 10,218 hospitalizations which is up almost 500 from last week our deaths are up uh, about 60 from last week, so 2,722 deaths so far, uh, or total, and um, it seems that, like, with the rate of increase for cases and hospitalizations, that death hasn't quite spiked in the same way, um, but they do seem to lag by a couple weeks, so... I'm just hoping that because we are getting better at treating hospitalizations that the deaths won't rise yeah. as much. But yeah, the numbers are crazy and we have we still have eight cases of the multi multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children. Um so that's the same as last week. So that's uh, good. That's something, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think this is just the beginning of the Labor Day weekend spike. Um, mm-hmm. All of the students are back. Football season is back. We're, I just yeah, I just look at every day with impending doom. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. 
not good, people. Please wear masks. <laughs> um, in national news, though, I don't know if you were going to mention this, but you can certainly add on the uh, White House health appointees have reported that they have indeed been editing the CDC reports <laughs> to oh, match Trump's fun. message. Yeah. Uh, so insert feigned shock here. Um, the, uh... I had hoped that they wouldn't sabotage the entire department's reporting structure, but I've been known to be naive. Yeah. So. Yeah. Insert fry. I'm shocked. Shocked. Well, yeah. not that shocked. <laughs> exactly exactly it's just it's such a uh, it's such a bummer in so many ways especially mm-hmm. in context of how many egregious horrible things are happening at the same time out of that yeah specific building um so i, I don't i don't know what that means <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think that with the college, a lot of colleges are still, you know, having classes. They are, there are tons of parties and college kids running around without mm-hmm. masks on. And I just, I just think we're just going to keep seeing these numbers go up. Yeah, that's what it sounds I, like. I saw a picture of. A bunch of people tailgating for my alma mater, um, Florida State, and I was just like, idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was looking but, at uh, finances and kind of looking at what I wanted to maybe do next year, and it's like, I think I'm just going to probably save vacation money for another year, because I don't think we're going to be allowed to go anywhere next year either. Yeah, save, save it, save it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I... I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what about Denver? What about? Um, not as bad, but not great either, depending on how you look at it. Uh, we're at 61,324 cases, which is up 3,000 week to week, which mm-hmm. is an increase uh, from the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at 7,227 hospitalizations, which is up 102, which is about on par. And we are still low on deaths at 1,889. We're still only up 23 from the previous week. Oh, that's good. So we're go- our cases are going back up yet again. But again, yeah. as I mentioned, multiple weeks, we seem like we're being they're getting treated and not at least yeah. dying. So that's good for not dying. Yep. <laughs> yep, that is good. And in uh, national news, we have a new hotspot, if you've heard this one. I don't know that I heard that. Do you care to take take a wager? I thought I heard something about Iowa. No, the Dakotas are the new hotspots. Really? Yep. Is it? Well, well I'll let you continue. Where, then... where does Sturgis take place? Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I can't I 100% blame thinking... that, but... What's that? I can 100% blame Sturgis for, for sure, but it doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually thinking that it was the, um, like, there are a lot of factories out there mm-hmm, that could be. where people work very close together. Mm-hmm. So I was assuming that that was it, but I actually don't know. So, so yeah, they are the new hotspots. 
I don't have exact numbers, but uh, yeah, it seems to be where it's increasing. That sucks. It, it's just... Hmm. I don't have a lot of positive stuff to say. <laughs> no. Well, in that same level, uh, there was a protest yesterday or today in Westminster, Colorado, which then had anti-protesters uh, driving around them yelling obscenities and... In you know, West, Westminster? Westminster, yep. Yeah. In, the, in the burbs. Y'all, for those of you that don't know, Westminster is white. Yep. <laughs> it's a very white <laughs> place. It's where I used to live, I, just based on my anecdotal experience going to the Westminster stores and Gregor and stuff versus, like, any other yeah. <laughs> <laughs> north of Denver. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely one of those, like, suburbs of Denver and Boulder, and it's not terribly diverse. Yeah. It's more diverse than Broomfield, I suppose, but <laughs> that's shocking to me that they had a protest. Yeah. I would have so. assumed that they would have been all anti-protesters, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's my uh, doom and gloom sh- seeping in. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, I would have thought uh, better of the burbs at least, but no, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't think better of the burbs at all. I, like I just said, I expected there to be more counter protesters than protesters. <laughs> Unless, do I under? I guess we should clarify what were they protesting? It was a. Um, police brutality bro- protest okay. i don't know the exact yep, what i he, then what i said i stand by <laughs> is only a hundred people for black light black lives matter protest okay yeah that um, sounds like <laughs> so i mean but it's and it was today um but yeah it's like you know a small minority trying to do their best and um oh it did grow up to about 500 people at the end that's great that's really that's really awesome that's really surprising to me and and again i'm not the you know like at all the expert on who should show up when or why or whatever but i am genuinely surprised that there were people showing up for a black lives matter protest in westminster Hmm. yeah there we go good job guys (laughs) i'll take it so that's all I got about for uh, national news. So what's going on in Luna's world? Um, well, in my world, I think my cat is shedding to spite me. <laughs> <laughs> I've like started like a different sort of cleaning routine where I kind of like rotate through the apartment mm-hmm. in a slightly different way than I used to. Okay. And it involves vacuuming almost every, like every other day. And it's like, as soon as I vacuum, she's like, here's a tuft. Here's a tuft. And I'm like, I just vacuumed. And it's like big black tuft on the light colored carpet. It's, Anyway, so that's, those are my immediate feelings about what's going on in my life. <laughs> As I stare at one giant clump of fur over there. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I was unfurloughed, if that's a thing. Yeah. So I'm back at the cafe, slinging coffee at masked faces. And if you're 
face isn't maxed, ma- masked, it will actually throw coffee on your face. Um, yeah. I feel like I feel like they'll back me up, right? <laughs> Maybe. Depends on think? how hot the coffee is. They weren't wearing a mask, though. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly it just feels like I'm putting myself at ridiculous risk. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, but hey, I need that money so yeah it's a hard it's a hard choice to to make for sure yeah it it really sucks it's like i don't support being out unnecessarily Mm -hmm. and at the same time it's like i do need to work so i need customers and at the same time i'm watching people like not follow guidelines and they like reach under the plastic guard between us and like you know they're just like Mm -hmm. i don't know it just feels they're being customers yes (laughs) customers never follow the rule well you always as you as work at a place you always notice the ones that blatantly avoid the rules that's true. But I will say we did have two customers today that came in without a mask and they were really nice about being like, oops, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll take one of these, you know, complimentary ones. And I was like, okay, great. Thank you. And it was fine. So I didn't have anybody like get in my face about not wearing a mask or me asking them to wear a mask to be in the cafe. So yeah, that's something. That's a, Yeah. What about you? What's going on in your life? Well, I went to my new comic shop for the first time for my comic run. I mean, I've... how are you doing? <laughs> how it's... are you coping? It's, it's thrown off. I've had to switch comic shops a few times in my life, and it's never it takes a few months to get your routine down. Especially when I've been going to the same place for probably ten years now. So are you being really grumbly about really little things that shouldn't bother you? Or are you, like, Um, really legitimately upset? Or (laughs) I mean, I guess a little grumbly, because I'm like, did they pull all the comics they're supposed to pull? I'm going to double check, because I don't know if these guys are going to pull all the correct ones for my hold (laughs) slot. (laughs) Okay, yeah, you sound grumbly. (laughs) And their new section's kind of small. I feel like they don't have all the new stuff out. Ooh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretension's just coming on through. And then, of course, my biggest is this place doesn't board and bag new comics. You got to do it yourself. Oh, interesting. And so I got to buy like equipment, and it's like I haven't had to buy boards and bags for years. I I didn't know that that was a thing, but that's interesting. Yeah. I'm sorry, maybe. Yeah, it's not that much money, but it's like. It's just stuff you got to get used to. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) grumble, grumble. I have to do this. But they are a really great place and really nice people. So, yeah, doing what I can, and I'll get used to it. It's just a changing up your world kind of thing. Yeah, I get it. It's like you find your very favorite lotion and then they stop making your very favorite lotion and you have to switch to a different lotion yeah right everybody can relate to that (laughs) (laughs) um the i was trying to pick a product that everybody uses but maybe maybe that's not it deodorant deodorant sure i mean i grab whatever's on sale okay never mind i I fail yeah no i get no everyone has a thing they're really particular about and when you have to change it up 
for reasons outside your control. You're always just like, I don't like this. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah, pretty much it. I mean, outside of that, my company gave us money to purchase home equipment, which is, tells me that they're not expecting to open any more offices anytime soon. Yay! So, more money! <laughs> I mean, hey, I'll take it. You don't want to work in the office. Yeah, so. no, I'm excited for it for sure. So, cool. Good stuff. So, let's go ahead and jump into today's topic. So, what are we talking about this week? So, today we're going to take a bit of a closer look at prisons during the time of coronavirus, specifically how prisons are dealing with outbreaks um, and what is going on with the whole coronavirus prison release situation. So, Let's get into it. So uh, according to news sources and inmates alike, prisons and jails are not the ideal situation given what we know about the coronavirus. If you're surprised by that, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you never watched a movie? I don't know. So social distancing is basically impossible. Mm -hmm. Um, The cleanliness is subpar in most facilities, etc., According to the publication The Lancet, prisons are a hotspot for COVID-19, and we will likely never know the extent to which COVID has penetrated the world's prisons and detention centers. In June, the Detroit Free Press reported that the Prison Policy Initiative gave the state of Michigan a D-minus grade in an evaluation of how states have responded to the coronavirus crisis, and uh, in prisons and jails specifically, and Michigan was among the top scoring states. Oof. <laughs> so, <laughs> not good. Not good. It's like when your star student is a D minus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. So the analysis, uh, this is a quote from the D- Detroit Free Press article, Mm -hmm. the analysis assigned points to states based on the following factors. If the Department of Corrections provided testing and PPE to its staff and prisoners, if the state reduced its county jail and prison populations, if the state accelerated the release of medically vulnerable prisoners, and if the state published public data about COVID-19 cases in the prison system. So, based on that criteria... The state of Michigan got a D minus. I didn't look up what all the other states got, but um, if Michigan got a D minus, I'm not terribly hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> I think that told us what we needed to know. Right. <laughs> it's almost like overcrowded prisons are breeding ground for germs and other diseases. Huh. I know. It's weird to think. You'd think jamming everyone into a small area would just be good for everyone involved, but (laughs) (laughs) COVID's like in the corner going, Yeah It's my time to shine and then puts out his cigarette. Exactly. Stories of uh, prisoners in poorly ventilated blocks sleeping in cots two to three feet apart, denied showers and soap for washing hands, uh, denied masks. All of these sorts of stories can be found in almost every state with a simple Google search. Like anytime you look for like firsthand accounts of what's going on in prisons, it's always 
the same sort of story. Um, I recently listened to season two of the podcast In the Dark by APM Reports, and the season focuses on the Mississippi Delta's the Mississippi Delta area and its response to COVID. And um, in episode two of that season, they take a look at Parchman Prison. The investigative reporter slash host Madeline Baran. Sorry, I paused because she has a really awesome spelling of Madeline. And I don't know if it's Madeline or I don't know. Let's go with Madeline Baran. Spoke with uh, inmates at the prison over time, which was really eye-opening. So I definitely recommend it. It's really good, uh, especially if you're interested in some first-hand accounts of what's going on. Uh, at one point in the episode, an inmate described what it's le- what it was like realizing someone had died of the virus after they were mysteriously isolated from the others. So, like, they didn't know what was going on, and then they'd just, like, take a take someone and just shove them somewhere else or like on death row where they're completely isolated Mm -hmm. from other people and, um, and not tell the others and then eventually find out that that person died and they're like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like the guards left, um, prisoners in the dark about the coronavirus infections. And the inmate also talks about how long it, it took, uh, for masks to be implemented. And he talks about prisoners using dirty socks tied around their heads as ma- makeshift masks. It's like, first of all, gross. Oh God, that had to be awful. And second of all, like how terrible is it that you have to be like, well, nobody's going to help me. So I'm going to have to use one of the few things that I own in here. Yeah to try to stop this virus when I am in this block with a bunch of other dudes and there's no hope of being staying clean. Like, yeah. It's kind of weird to think about it too, because they're willing to go that far just to have a mask. And we have people complaining about wearing a nice fresh mask for 20 minutes while they're in the store. Absolutely. And I think, again, that comes down to, personally, I think it comes down to, like, seeing it firsthand. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like medical professionals and the flu shot. There are a lot of people that don't get the flu shot, but all of my friends that are medical professionals are like, oh, no, I get the flu shot. First of all, we're required, and even if we weren't required, I would get it anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's because they see the effects of the flu firsthand. So it's like these prisoners are watching people just like be perfectly healthy and then die. And they're just like, Oh my God, I need a mask. And then you have frou-frou pants over there. Like, I don't know anybody that's died. And I'm going to cough in your face. And it's like, uh, you just don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say that since prisons are typically pretty full, especially for-profit prisons Mm -hmm. that benefit from being very full, um, the next best thing outside of like, uh, like masks and everything, the the next best thing is to reduce the number of people in the facility so that there, so that there can be more opportunity for space between individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and social distancing might actually be feasible in some areas. Yep. So uh, many states have started to reduce the number of people they are incarcerating, bringing into the prison at all or jails. Um, but they are also releasing people. So I figured, Matt, you could talk about yeah. the prison release situation. So yeah, I found this really cool site called prisonpolicy.org and they go over all sorts of prison policies depending where they're at. And they have this entire page breaking down each state and what they've done. So I'll try and kind of glide over some of this um, because, uh, every, of course, America, every state has to do something different. No one can ever do the same thing ever. We all... Right. <laughs> when I listen to uh, podcasts in other countries, it still like blows them away. It's, it's like, well, the laws in this state say this, and I, I don't know why that's different than this state. Like, yeah. Yeah. Welcome to America. <laughs> so let's start with uh, my my good old uh, Colorado here. Uh, Colorado Department of Corrections has released 290 people following the March 25th executive order from the governor, which gave the Department of Corrections authority to release people within 180 days of their pro- parole eligibility date. In April, the report suggests that hundreds of people could be eligible for early release. So they're basically just going, if you're close enough, we're just going to go ahead and let you out. Um, but that's hmm. about it. Not interesting. Not a whole lot more. Um, in Virginia, um, the lawmakers approved govern- the governor's proposal to grant the Department of Corrections authority to release people in prison for nonviolent offenses with one year or less remaining on their sentences. As of May 7th, 130 people have been released, another 100 to be approved for early release. This is on May 8th. Hmm. So, wow. not so many. really, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of movement in this area. No. Um, but let's uh, talk about New Jersey, because they came up a lot in my searches. Okay. Because uh, they've kind of been interesting. So, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy signed an executive order on April 10th. Um, supposedly beginning the process of temporarily releasing some people in state prisons who have been convicted of nonviolent offenses. As of September 6th, 416 people have been approved for release, and 329 of them have already been released. And so I looked a little bit deeper into that, and they're essentially doing, um, if you have nonviolent crimes, if you are uh, over 60, um, and if you're... I think is uh, less than a year. Uh, they're doing home. Uh, they're doing uh, what's it called? Home jail. I want to say that's not home jail. Home jail. They're homeschooling. <laughs> they're jailing. Uh, <laughs> I also blanked on what that word is. So there you go. There you go. Home jail. We're calling it home, home jail. jail. <laughs> so, um, which I think is a good thing, and. Uh, that was in April is when what I just read happened. And they've actually gone over a thousand people at this point oh, wow. have been put on uh, home jail. Home jail. Um, and so, oh, here it is finally. Uh, individuals 60 years or older uh, with high risk, also individuals with high risk medical conditions. Um, those whose sentences expire within three months. And those who were denied parole within the last year. Oh. Those who were denied parole in the last year. Yep, they're basically giving them... So they were up for parole and then they were like, 
nah. nah. And then they were like, sure. <laughs> now they're like, eh, we're just being dicks. Let's just go home and, you know, don't go anywhere. House arrest. Yeah, house arrest. House arrest is what it's called. <laughs> I like home jail home better. Jail. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think New Jersey, I think, has been the most liberal on get, trying to get people out of their prisons. Um, yeah, interesting. Even if it means they'll eventually have to go back if something happens. Yeah, but... that's kind of what I assumed. When when I heard that people were being released, I didn't think they were just like done with their sentence. I thought that they were just leaving the facility so that they could be safer. No, it's... And then they would return. I think some states are doing that, but I think the majority, looking through my list here... Are just doing like, well, if you're just about there, we'll go ahead and release you, and that'll be enough people. And that's wow. not good. <laughs> and wow, that's really interesting. I'm really surprised by that. I don't know why I'm so surprised, but that's, huh? Yeah. I wonder why. I wonder. Well, I I think I know why, but. <laughs> <laughs> Um, here's another little blip on New Jersey. Um, they passed a bill to reduce prison sentences, sentences during the pandemic. Um, uh, uh, the bill would allow for a reduction of four months for every month served behind bars during a public health emergency with a maximum sentence reduction of eight months. Wait. Say that again? So is it is it basically like hazard pay in the form of, of reducing your sentence yes huh and this bill is our it says this bill is to our knowledge the only legislation of its kind so far yeah for sure whoa so that's pretty big that's nuts um and hopefully it leans somewhere to getting maybe healthily reducing like we mentioned before a lot of the pandemic has shown a lot of holes in a lot of our systems and the prison system has been a really messed up system for a very long time for a very long time and that's why i'm so frustrated with this topic and why (laughs) kind of why i was like yeah you look up that part (laughs) (laughs) because i get really fired up about prisons especially you know for-profit prisons and prison gerrymandering and it's like with Oh, man, I'm getting fired up now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking of, like, when it comes to, like, the census, it's like, do they, are they trying to keep prisoners there so that they can officially count in their county for the census and then they could let them go? Ah, it could be. Because you can count all the bodies in your prison and their demographics to get more funding Hmm. even if they can't vote or work or do anything other than i mean basic slave labor yeah for the prison so wow i mean i don't know i don't know i that's a question i mean so if anyone out there knows let me know but i would love to be wrong I genuinely love to be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Most things about the prison system is about keeping keeping people down. That's why you lose your voting rights and making making a very few very a very select few people a lot of money. Yep. So. Well, 
on a ha- yeah. on a happier note, though, California. <laughs> Uh, announced. Yeah, uh, how are they doing? They announced on June 16th that people in state prisons for nonviolent offenses with less than 180 days left on their sentences are eligible for supervised release beginning July 1st. At the end okay. of March, 3,500 people with parole dates scheduled for April were paroled a few days or weeks early. As of, Ju- oh, wow. yeah, as of June 24th, state courts are reviewing approximately another 3,500 more cases that have identified for early release prisons in response to COVID-19. So they're working hard on at least getting people out that are close enough to just get out. They're not doing the home wow. release thing, but they're... Yeah. Um, get, and it says that they've estimated about 8,000 more people could be released by the end of August. Interesting. So, well, that's cool. So California's I, been pretty liberal as well. Yeah, it's not terribly right. surprising. <laughs> huh. But yeah, these numbers cool. for just the amount of pr- people in prison are incredibly low, though, too. Like, what I say for Colorado, like 200 and something? Like, that's... Yeah. That's nothing. That's... Wait, 200 people in prison at all? No, uh, were released. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking, too. What about Florida? Does there have, Is there anything on Florida? Uh, oh, here, here's a jail um, in Miami-Dade County. Uh-huh. Um, they reportedly dropped from 4,000 people before the pandemic to 3,200 people, about a 20% decrease in average daily population. Huh. And that's just a jail, so that could just be people getting out anyways. Hmm. Interesting. Well, never mind. But yeah, not a lot with Florida, meaning they're probably not doing much. Yeah. They're just, uh, they're being Florida continually. Yep. I didn't have crazy high hopes, but <laughs> I was just interested in, like, what approach they were taking. Yeah. To see, like, so, yeah. what their mindset was. But Yeah, I'd like to see more places doing uh, home jail and just at least temporarily being, like, you know... Let's, you have a nonviolent crime anyways, or in Colorado's case, if you have a weed crime, which we still have people in jail for, even though it's legal now, uh, just be like, just go home. Like, this would be a great yeah. time to be like, hey, if you're in here for weed, yeah, you, you're good to go now. Absolutely. And I think that should be the case for the entire nation. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, too much money in that jail system. Exactly. That's, that's one of the things you need to get the money out of. And we we also need to get them back their voting rights because uh, this is a way to also suppress minority voter rights. Absolutely, 100%. That's why they call it the new Jim Crow. Yep. Oh, gleeful episode again. (laughs) Good job, Matt. We did it. (laughs) So, yeah, you got anything else to add to the, the prison system? No, I mean, I, I, we could go on and on about the prison system, but when it comes to COVID, <laughs> it just sounds like a lot of prisons were really slow to um, enact anything, any of the measures that were recommended early on, mm-hmm. like in March. Uh, it took a while for some prisons to really take that to heart and spread that information with their, uh, with the inmates and... Kitty action. Um, 
and then like once they have I'm hoping that they're able to kind of slow any outbreaks that happen but there is a I mean as you heard with that um the prison policy initiative uh evaluation one of the criteria was to have public data about COVID-19 cases in the prison system and the highest <laughs> scoring state was Michigan <laughs> so yeah with a d minus <laughs> so it sounds like there's just not and I couldn't find a ton of like just mm-hmm. straight data on how many you know prisoners had the virus or died from the virus in each of the states like it's just not the information's not out there because it's not required for the most part it seems so yeah now these people are basically if you're in for you know you made a mistake or whatever you're now pretty close to a um death sentence yeah it's it's not it's pretty bleak i i think that um i've been listening to the abuse of power podcast and it's about different cases um where the defendant was convicted and sentenced and served time in prison but they were actually innocent and exonerated later um and it happens so much and the reason the reason why it happened like the reasons why are so avoidable and i just think that i'm hoping that maybe all of this attention being turned to black lives matter might bring some attention to the kind of the holes in the justice system Mm -hmm. process the whole criminal justice process and maybe we can start making some real changes about how people are sentenced and what counts as evidence, what the jury can and cannot see, what the public can and cannot see. And also if someone provides egregiously false testimony, especially based on junk science I think those people should be able to be like prosecuted. Yeah. Like, I I don't think you should be able to be like, this thing totally matches that hair, but in fact it doesn't. Yeah. And then that person goes to jail for 25 years. Like, I think that person didn't did a criminal act and they should be tried. Yeah. Um, but that's just my, I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of opportunity for growth there. And with all of this attention on the criminal justice system, maybe maybe it's a chance to start making some changes and introducing new law in local areas. Yeah. Now there's, you know, uh, one thing I kind of seen before and it's kind of interesting is that uh, a lot of lawyers um, like the, the phony baloney court cases and stuff like on tv like court shows and all that because even though something's fake people watch it on tv and believe it's real so they believe it like basically polygraph tests have been thrown out as scientific quackery but it's still done on tv enough 
that people still believe that you can take a polygraph test and be seen as lying or telling the truth and it's That's absolutely nuts. fake. So I think in a way there should be more um, uh, accountability. accountability for people making those kinds of shows and things to maybe, you know, not to, to just show more reality and stuff. I think showing more reality would certainly help. I mean, I'm not going to say that people shouldn't have fiction, but I think yeah. that I think that you're right. I think that I think if your show is based around like Law and Order, if your show is based around showing the um, the court system that you you have a responsibility to show it accurately, because mm-hmm. people then think that's how it is, and then lawyers just go, "Well, that's how they think," so we can just manipulate that to our advantage well i mean on that note we should stop glorifying cops that use violence yes for justice on those shows as well because yep. it's a lot of this cop you know slammed the defendant against a wall and said confess and the defendant was like okay and then the person watching it is like yeah that cop did the right thing and it's like no the fuck the cop did not do the right thing. That's how you get a false confession. Yep. Like, it's not okay to keep glorifying this awful behavior Yeah. in general. I just think that, I just wish there was a way to better educate the public on how to look at trials. And that's a lot of what this podcast talks about. Um, the hosts of the podcast, they kind of go into detail about what you need to look for as a juror mm-hmm. and um, what to like what to look at critically, what to not look at, you know. And it, like if evidence is thrown out, then it is thrown out. Like no longer consider it. <laughs> yeah. Like um yeah, and I'd say that on top of um uh Adam Ruins Everything, the TV show, he did Adam Ruins the Jail System if you're really interested in that. This is also another in- good in-depth look on um in the injustice of the justice system. Mm, interesting i haven't seen that one yet but i i pretty sure i know what it will say yes <laughs> but i'd be yeah i'll I'll look it up and watch I it i believe that's one of the ones they have on netflix one of the episodes oh cool i'd say watch that one so yeah prison system sucks and yeah it sucks more during a pandemic somehow but that's everything our world. sucks more during a pandemic so <laughs> here we are so i think that'll lead us into uh, our distractions what are we distracting ourselves with while everything sucks more during <laughs> well uh i've been distracting myself with a few shows um i just watched all of big little lies this past week and it's really good <laughs> but isn't that I, isn't that a basic white bitch show though it is. Okay. Yeah, it totally is. But it's really good. It's I love the storytelling. I really appreciate the directing and the way that they produce the show in this like they have these flash for flashback and flash forward scenes okay. throughout the the seasons and it's it's like I just think the storytelling is really well done. I really appreciated it. There, I mean, there are a couple times where I'm like, oh, of course, that's the ending we're going to go with. But <laughs> that being said, how we got there was really great. Um, I also watched The Boys. I've caught up on The oh, Boys. Oh, yeah. 
very happy with what's going on there. Um, and I've been watching Raised by Wolves, which is also really fucking good. So I'm really excited about that show. At that episode one, I was like extremely excited, like viscerally excited. So I'm excited to see the rest of that. I think they're, I just watched the fifth episode. And of course, Lovecraft Country, but I'm not going to talk <laughs> about it until it's over. All right. So what about you? What are you distracting yourself with? Um, watched a couple movies. I did see a uh, tenant. It's fine. What do you think? It's fine. <laughs> um, I think we both have like a level of uh, like seeing art where at least if it gets you some sort of reaction, then it's good art, even if it's a negative reaction. And mm-hmm. this gave me zero reaction. It's like yeah, it's fine. It was loud noises. I think it's tr- loud noises happen. I think he purposely not to get into spoilers too much, but I think he purposely tried to make it more complicated just to be more complicated. So you can be like, you just and that's didn't the get one it. thing I don't, I think a lot of people feel that way. I think a lot of people agree with you. And that is the one thing I don't think. I, and I could be completely wrong. I don't necessarily get the feeling that he was being ex- extremely pretentious by trying to make it more complicated. I think he's just bored. That could be. Like, I think I he's just bored with regular storytelling, and he's like, well, what if I just make this like a little bit more interesting? And by doing that in this one, it just didn't take like Inception, so yeah. that's my two cents. I will say it's one of the few movies that has the balls to have Elizabeth Debicki stand next to, to men, because not many movies will do that, and she just towers over them, and it's awesome. Because she, yeah. she's like literally like 6'1", and then she's in Good DS. for her. <laughs> Let her be tall. Oh yeah, but yeah, like like she's in Guardians of the Galaxy, and she's literally sitting the entire movie. You never actually see her stand up. <laughs> That's true. She does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, besides that, um, there's uh, I learned a song on piano that the very first time I heard it, I was like, I want to learn that on piano, and I finally did it, and I know it. And Yay! So I've been spending a lot of time working on that. That's exciting. And I semi started writing some songs, getting some ideas down. So, all right. Been looking into getting some music going too. Yay. That's awesome. So, a lot of that on top of the boys too. Also, been watching the boys. Well, obviously. <laughs> it's very good. So, I think that brings us to our favorite part of the show only in a pandemic and major civil unrest. Since I have my piano out. Yay. Stories that can only happen in a pandemic or major civil unrest. What what do you got? Um this one's a big one for me. Only in a pandemic do I feel bittersweet about football. Okay. Like football season has started. I watched the first game. Yep, Matt's repping uh Green Bay Packers. I I am I like I love football. And I know that I say that and people are like either rolling your eyes or you're like, yeah, sure. Pat me on the head, little girl. But I really do. Like, I love football. I love football season. I love watching the game, especially in person. It's just, it's such a big part of fall. Mm -hmm. And I just, it just makes me so happy when it's football season. But right now I don't have... I have that longing, but I don't have that buzz now that it started because I watched the game and I, I just felt this weird sense of like guilt and like 
a shame because I'm like watching them, like these people breaking their bodies, trying to do this game for the owners to make money. There are people in the stands, but I don't know why they're in the stands. There are people on the sidelines. I'm like, I hope y'all are in a bubble, but I don't think you guys are. And it's like, if people end up dying Mm -hmm. because just because I want to see football, like it just, it doesn't, I'm not very happy. Like it doesn't make me feel good watching football, especially college football right now. College football should not be happening. Like, like that, it just, yeah, I have this like gross kind of sour taste in my mouth when it comes to this wonderful thing that I love uh, every every fall so it's like of course i'm still gonna watch the games but it just feels gross yeah not i kind of feel like i need to take a shower after (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i get you and it's kind of weird because like i've been watching hockey and hockey works without fans but um the green bay game today had no fans in the stands because it was in uh, minneapolis yeah and it, it miss it needs the fans in the audience it adds a level of like insanity i guess you can say did they have piped in noise they did but like it was just like almost white noise more than anything because yeah you really like you can tell it wasn't there like it didn't really raise or lower depending on what stuff was happening and yeah you miss that and i think if they're gonna pipe in noise then they should pipe in really terrible music is what i say (laughs) or see if they can figure out the brown noise during this time like <laughs> just please don't or, or just a high-pitched wail at the at the limited decibility level. Just, <laughs> <laughs> no. till everyone just loses their mind <laughs> like oh, experiment God. with it but yeah it's it's just it's not you it's very obviously not crowd noise because it's no one boo- yeah. no one booed Aaron Rodgers when he got on the field and if you're in Minneapolis that's just what happens and you're just like mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah man it just it just feels I think to me it feels bad because I'm such a consumer that I almost feel like I'm part of the reason why they're pushing forward but it's yeah. not that's not really I mean it's not me personally it's just like they're going to move forward because it's an industry and it's a business and they're going to need to make money. But of all the industries out there, <laughs> I think it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. No, they could take a um, season off and not notice a dip and, you know, exactly. some it's people just, will lose money, but I think it's the same people that are going to lose money regardless. Exactly. So. I just, it just doesn't sit right with me yeah. that these people are kind of being forced to go out there. Like, I know that they were given a the chance to, you know, stand out of the season if they wanted to, but think about the pressure, where you are in your career, how old you are, where you are with your injuries. Like, that's not much of a choice. Yeah. Like, it just, I don't know. Eh. It's, it's one <laughs> of those... whine about it. <laughs> it's one of those many things during this uh, pandemic that you have to wrestle with your personal biases and things and... Uh, yeah, and also like the whole the teams interlocking arms at the beginning of the Texans Kansas City game and and the fans booing and it's like okay, so there was no one kneeling at the national anthem, so so you're just booing 
anti-racism. Like, you're just booing because you're racist. And then they're like, no, no, we're booing because we don't want politics in our football. And it's like, oh, so we can stop playing the national anthem and flying the American flag at the beginning of your football game. Yeah? No? Then what exactly do you mean here? Yeah, I saw a Facebook post on that, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry they interrupted your game to acknowledge that people are people, and they're acknowledging (laughs) struggle. Sorry your game had to take five minutes out of your life <laughs> jesus christ and you know all of this would go away if they just stopped yeah. with the police brutality yeah like if they just stopped being racist yeah all of these little interruptions that you want to bitch about would be gone uh anyway so what about you what's what's your only in pandemic story well uh, only in a pandemic at this point i'm starting to only feel safe in a mask <laughs> <laughs> yeah i so hear that i am with you there what made you think that so i i did go to the movies to see tenet because that's the only way you can see it and it was the busiest theater that i've seen it wasn't like busy busy but there was like okay. i don't know like a dozen people or so okay and, that's busy i don't know how you feel about that and yeah it's exactly i start <laughs> like i was in the far back corner like literally no one could be next to me because it, yeah. it was one is the, the big IMAX one. So next to me is the handicap seating. So the, literally no one can sit next to me. But I was okay. still just like, I'm going to put this mask back on now. And... Yeah. <laughs> I feel that too. It's like becoming my own little like bubble shield yeah. of like <laughs> keeping. Uh, like I especially working at the cafe today, I was like really like feeling like. I was too close to people, even if they were halfway across the store. <laughs> like, I'm just like, ah, humans. But yeah, I feel that. I, did. I think you're right. What you said a few, I think, probably quite a few episodes ago now, um, you mentioned that like this will probably be the new normal. Yeah. And I am here for that. <laughs> I would like this to be the new normal, especially as it gets colder. We can keep our little noses warm. Yeah. Yeah, I did have to laugh at the uh, urinal situation because they blocked off every other one, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, guys have had this rule for way before social distancing. <laughs> you never use the urinal next to someone using one you, unless it's you have to. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I never would have thought of that, but you're totally right. <laughs> Like someone will come in next to you and you'd be like, what the fuck? Right. If there's no other ones being used. You don't use the one next to someone using one. Unless you're Paul Rudd, because that's a thing he does and it's kind of funny. He, uh, if he's on, <laughs> if he's on doing press tours and you go to the bathroom, he will follow you and use the urinal next to you. And he does the full <laughs> little kid pants all the way down to his ankles and lifts his shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I love like i have this mad respect for paul rudd he's not my favorite actor in the whole world but he does do a good job obviously a much better job than i could but his personality and his sense of humor is just my absolute favorite like it's just the best i love it yeah he is great well let's go ahead and wrap up this episode with our hermit level so on the leonardo dicaprio scale of a 10 being what's eating gilbert grape and you only live at home with one person you never see anyone else and a one being romeo plus juliet and you're at the montague party uh hooking up with slutty mcslutterson 
where, where are you at on the Leonardo DiCaprio scale? Oh, well, I'm a 9.5. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I'll say that I'm a 9 because I did work at the cafe, yeah. even though that's considered work and not really socializing. Um, yeah, outside of having to work, I haven't actually talked to, like, actual humans. I've been talking to my cat a lot. Yeah. Is that healthy? <laughs> I do it all the time. I was going to say, I feel like that's fine. <laughs> um. But yeah, I just, I'm still like in just total lockdown mode. Like, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. I'm just going to hang out here. My little plant babies are growing and it's like us against the world. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. What about you? I'm probably right up there. Probably like an eight, maybe a nine, like the movies, but I went by myself and I was actively trying to avoid people and uh, we had to cancel band practice uh for issues so no band practice didn't Mm -hmm. see anybody this weekend like pretty much right at luna level of not seeing anyone yeah for real i've just like not like i haven't seen my partner this weekend like i'm just i went to work and i'm home and i barely even want to go to the store i've been just staying home and cooking fish because it's one of the few things i can eat right now (laughs) and yeah but hey i'm not worse for it hopefully like just staying away from all the crazy germs out there there. you go yeah (laughs) well i think that'll do it for another episode what do you think yeah i think we're done so if people want to uh hit you up and say hey luna what's happening on the socials what how can they do that only if you actually say what's happening. <laughs> uh, you can find me at L-U-N-A underscore M-I-N-U-I-T on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, you can find us at Goth and Sloth on Twitter and Instagram and Goth and Sloth at gmail.com. If you have any awesome ideas or feedback or anything you feel like saying about you where where can people find you so i'm wizard underscore matt on the twitters i'm also wizard cosplay on instagram my band is leonardo leonardo band on soundcloud and facebook and my youtube channels matt the feral wizard where again i'm still on a bit of a break because i don't feel like it (laughs) (laughs) hey but there's tons of content for you to go peruse. Yes, I still have go. 500 other videos that you can watch. Yeah, <laughs> so I think you're doing all right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, thanks for joining us on another episode. Yeah, please wash your hands. And wear a mask. Yes. <laughs>